Hello, we are back for episode number two with the Moto Therapy Podcast. I'm Jason Cole. I'm Bo Winter, and we j- thank you for joining us tonight. Absolutely. Well, guys, we had a big weekend, the opening weekend for MotoGP. I was very excited. Bo, how about you? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, it was. Uh, we're back to racing again. We, you know. It was, how long have we been waiting now you know it feels oh. like forever but it's only been about four months so i know it, it but it does feel like forever but before yeah. we get to that let's talk about me for a second okay here I, we go. I had I, I had my first uh track day of the year at vir north on monday so um it was glorious and as much fun as you think it should have been it was great um, I did learn that I was woefully out of shape, um, but uh, all in all, we had a great day, and that's what this sport's all about, is what I did Monday. Riding in great weather, having a good time, hanging out with some friends, and uh, man, it, it really and truthfully couldn't have gone any better for us up there. Uh, you know, my friend got a new bike, we were testing that out. I was the first time I have really opened up the new ZX-10. So everything was new, but we had a great time, man. I wish you could have been there. I, I wish I could have been there too. Um, I saw about four seconds worth of a video uh, with Jay, with uh, you know one of our other friends that was behind you, and you looked good, you know, good on good line going up through turn six, and uh, you know looked real good on the bike, looked nice and comfortable. So yeah, I'm glad you guys had a good day. It's always nice when you guys come back in one piece and the bikes are shiny. Yeah, absolutely. I wish. Uh, I wish every, there could have been a camera inside my helmet the first time I wide open throttle on that Kawasaki <laughs> down the front straight because that thing is a rocket ship and I have not, we haven't been on a bike in a while, you know, we don't ride on the street so mm-hmm. that thing felt like I was going about 2 million miles an hour and <laughs> you know I happened to look down the first time I went down the front straight I looked down to see how fast I was going and I was not going very fast. <laughs> <laughs> So I thought, well, it's been a while, so we'll have to take it slow and get used to this. But uh, I digress, man. I had a great time. Uh, And as much as I like talking about me, I really want to talk about MotoGP in this past weekend. So first of all, let's get right to the results, man. I mean, I want to talk about the Moto3 race first. Let's work our way up. Okay, sounds Um, good. Did you did you watch it? You did, I'm sure. I did. Yes, I did. Yeah. Uh, really so, strong showing from rookies uh, was the uh, first wow. first impression that I got yeah, from that. Yeah. You know, that's where I'll I'll yeah. start with that. So, so, uh, real quick though, wasn't KTM supposed to be backing out of K uh, Moto Three and doing it was going to be branded as Husqvarna all the way through? So KTM backed out as a chassis manufacturer in Moto2, but I, I don't remember a designation of them backing completely out of three. I um, swore that was the case. I may have misheard because when I saw all those KTM bikes on there, the first practice, I was like, wait a minute. They, now, yeah, Tech 3 lost their backing from KTM, I think. So that's why they're all they're all Red Bull, I think. Now, maybe maybe that's not correct. Well, they're still at KTM. It's just Red Bull KTM. So Red Bull is spending ungodly amounts of money in MotoGP. That's just what we know, right? I mean, they really are. Um, But I tell you, one of the biggest thrills of the weekend for me in terms of sponsorship was seeing Gas Gas out there. I love it. At the front, too. Uh, That was fantastic. Now, we all know it's a rebranded KTM, but Mm -hmm. 
I mean, still, you know, even if it was, I think KT Hamill at one point was actually Mahindra as well, right? Um, That's is that right. correct? That's so Mahindra, KTM, Husqvarna, and now Gas Gas. So, yeah, it's it's great to see another team up front and, and fighting for those podiums and those wins. And, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I, I thought the, the Moto3, the, the entire weekend Moto3 looked, fan, uh, looked fantastic. I will say probably one of the more impressed riders that I was, uh, or the, excuse me, one of the more the riders I was more impressed with through the weekend in Moto Three was has to have been Tatsuki Suzuki. Um, he had, uh, you know, uh, COVID. Not, mm-hmm. I think he was fine. He was diagnosed clear uh, just a few days before the race, or if not just a, a day before the race. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was having some issues on the bike. I want to say that they had said even in some of the commentary that he couldn't breathe, you know, except to do one flying lap. He was having a lot of trouble, and he stuck it out for that entire race. And I think he placed uh, eighth, ninth, somewhere around eighth, there. He and, placed eighth. Yeah. So, so yeah, he's he was right there, you know, and mm-hmm. he was he was he really showed some true grit, I think, and sticking with that lead pack the entire way, um, and, and really really hanging it out there and keeping keeping good focus for that championship run that I that I hope that he's going to be a contender for this year. Right. No, I, I think Suzuki is extremely talented. I, I think we just got to get some consistency, but that's why they're in the Moto3 class to work on that. Right. Um, you know, the funny thing, it's always great about Moto3 is that you can be in the top 15 and you're barely behind a lot of the time. You know, so it's, it's you know, this race they had, I think seven or eight were uh, in the lead pack. I think I think the top seven were covered by just under a second, but I, I, it's always great racing. It's a lot of fun to watch. And you mentioned the rookies. I mean, Pedro Acosta and Izan Guevara, oh, my goodness, those guys are going to be a force. I mean, really, really strong opening to their Moto3 careers. I think, I believe Pedro Acosta was the uh, Red Bull Cup uh, champion, the mm-hmm. Rookie Cup champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it shows why. I mean, that guy's got some serious, serious talent and did not, was not afraid at all like would stuff that front end in there um, yeah it didn't matter yeah. who it was so i a lot of respect i'm really interested to see how he comes along uh and masia i mean masia wins a race for so long i think we've kind of been waiting for masia to really kind of dominate and be more consistent we have seen him uh win occasionally be on the podium occasionally but we've never seen him consistently do what we all think he can do so maybe this it, is the year Absolutely. No, I completely agree with that. And that's what I was going to say. You know, Massey's kind of a wild card, or at least has been in seasons past. And it seems like Akiyo really sees, sees those the talents and those attributes and riders in it. And it, it, it's like he can really kind of start to reel them back into themselves a little bit and not just go so wild into their, you know, and not let that talent flow freely but to tame it just a little bit with good judgment tame it a little bit with you know a good temperament on the bike and and really kind of develop that rider into a consistent steady you know fighter at the front of the pack and 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 you know you know going back to the acosta uh comment with uh with pedro you know he was battling out with probably a couple of, of the most aggressive riders in moto three in Brad Bender and Darren, uh, Jer- or, excuse me, I'm sorry, thank you, uh, Darren Bender and uh, Jamma Massey. You know those two guys. Mm-hmm. They've been they've been known to scrap it out quite a bit, and right. and you know of course Darren has kind of tamed back a little bit, and he's he's kind of honing himself and bringing him back down, bringing himself back down a little bit. But he's still got that that racer's edge to him, and that fight in him, and that that grit and determination that he wants to win. So. Um, oh, yeah, for Acosta to stick it in there and 
and not to be intimidated by big reputations. I think that's fantastic for a, for yeah. a new rookie coming in. Absolutely. I mean, in in, in fairness to you know um, Pedro Acosta, I mean he he outraced Sergio Garcia, Gabriel Rodrigo, Nicolo mm-hmm. Antonelli. These are not guys that are new to the game. I mean right. they they so. It's just one race. No need to anoint him as the next great one yet. But at the same time, really impressed. I was also impressed by Guevara. I mean, he's on the gas gas. He's leading the race a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was fired up. I thought it was great. You know, it's great to see, um, you know, more than one manufacturer fighting for the win. I mean, we did go one two KTM, but you know, Honda, gas gas, they were right there, and that's really that's really good. Now, like you said, it's a rebranded KTM but just seeing gas gas out there oh as a logo it's huge yeah Yeah, as a a logo it's big so yeah it's definitely a fun race the moto three races are always a blast to watch absolutely absolutely well you know moving on up to moto two um my initial impressions are Sam Lowe's looks like a beast this year like he did at the end of last year Mm -hmm. um and and honestly I'm pretty thankful that he had that end of the year last year and he's carried it on because a lot of people were saying some unfair things about Sam Lowe's, um, you know, saying that he didn't deserve this or that. And I think this is really kind of a stamp to say, yeah, I, I need to be there. I mean, he's now won, I think, uh, four races out of the last six. So Sam Sam's a quality rider and deserves everything he's getting. But something interesting about the, the race that I thought was that, you know, Marco Bezzecchi just did not have it. I don't know what happened. He just didn't. He just didn't have it. Just It wasn't there. Um, why? I have no idea. But, you know, Remy Gardner and Fabio Di Antonio were super fast. But I really thought Bezzecchi would be on the podium, but he wasn't. That's I, really strange. I absolutely agree. Uh, you know, I was looking. Of course, you know, we, we hear the commentators talk all weekend, and, and I have to say that I would agree with them that those are the big three names that you mm-hmm. foresee being in that championship run are going to be Sam Lowe's, Marco Petzeski, and also Remy Gardner. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Remy Gardner, he got hung up a little bit on the first opening laps. He got shuffled around a little bit, and then he really started to push, and you could see him coming through the pack, you know, in a very similar fashion to what uh, – Tetsuda Nagashima did last year at Qatar. Mm-hmm. Uh, you yeah. know, Nagashima came from nowhere and, and yeah. came out and yeah. won the race. You know, so Remy Gardner, I, I think, had the he, he definitely had the pace to get there. He kind of chewed up his tire a bit, I think, while he was working through the pack. But but beyond that, I think we saw a mature decision in Remy Gardner to say, you know, to say, okay, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna catch Sam Lowe's. I, right. I you know I had to eat up my tire coming through the pack. I'm on the podium right now. It's a long season. Mm-hmm. What do I do now? I'm going to settle in. I'm going to run the race. I'm going to finish on the podium. I'm not going to make any stupid decisions right. trying to chase a win. And I think that that kind of, of judgment and and choice in the race is definitely speaking to the kind of rider that he's going to be and is becoming. And I'm really excited to see Remy Gardner, what, what he can do this year. Um, I think if anybody – has anything for Sam Lowe's he's going to be one of the few guys that's really going to be able to take the fight to Sam Lowe's not to say that you know Sam Lowe's is just going to run away with this but man Sam Lowe's really looked strong though yeah I, I he really did I, he looked completely in control the whole time it was he didn't look like he was breaking a sweat really I, I thought he looked great I, I to your point about Remy Gardner I think we see this from time to time there's just a maturity that comes about riders as they age and they 
they realize that you can't just full send all the time. There are times when you just don't have it. So it's important to collect 20 points. It's good for your team. It's good for your world championship chances. And say, hey, tip your hat to Sam Lowe's. You win today, bud. You were the fastest. Congrats. But next time we'll come back at you. Another interesting thing right now that caught my eye when I was looking through on the Moto2 results was that Calex really makes nearly every chassis on that grid. There's uh, mm -hmm. Bosco Scuro is the other one, and there are only four. I think there's an NTS chassis and maybe one of NB Agusta chassis. That's really crazy. I mean, did I, I, I don't know. I missed it. Where did speed up go? So speed up is Bosco score now. Uh, um, it's actually okay. yeah, the, it's actually the uh, Bosco score B twenty one is the name of that chassis. Um, they they rebranded it because the actual speed up team that Jorge Navarro was on, and mm -hmm. I can't uh, his his teammate this year is escaping me because I know Fabio left and went to the other speed up team, or the other the official I think it's the Federal Grassini Bosco score team. Um, okay, that's what made that uh, you know that's what made that. Uh, that podium so special for him was the fact it was the uh, Fausto Grassini team that he was racing with um, okay. and put the po put it on the box so Jorge Navarro was on the MB conveyor speed up team and Yari Vontella is his teammate okay thank you thank you mm -hmm. uh, the, yeah I think that was the uh, the nomenclature change that they made this year was because the speed up was initially called the chassis was the speed up chassis but then when there was another speed up team that came in the Grassini team or I guess that, that moved to the speed up chassis that they they didn't want the speed up team to be thought of as a speed up chassis mm -hmm. so the owner yeah. of that team who was uh, bought his last name Bosco Scora he changed that over to the B21 chassis designation mm -hmm. okay. for this year all right well you know he's all he's got Albert Arenas the defending Moto3 champion and Aaron Kinnett on it on those chassis as well. So right. it'll be interesting to see, you know, on the Aspar team. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. You know, Calex for the longest time though has been has been the, the chassis of choice for a lot of these riders. I think they tend to come to grips with it faster than the speed up. But the guys that do well on the speed up, they love it. So yeah, I mean, we saw last year Joe Roberts jumped on the speed up, you know, coming from the KTM chassis, and he did well right out of the gate. You know, it, it, it almost transformed his season around. We saw some inconsistencies with Joe last year, but moving from the KTM, uh, an aged KTM chassis, I'll say, over mm -hmm. to the the Calix chassis was definitely a step for oh, him yeah. to move Absolutely. forward. So, Absolutely. you know, maybe there, there definitely has to be something there. And that's not to take anything away from NTS or Bosco Scora, you know, um, or even MV Agusta. Uh, but right. there's something else that, that, that Calix definitely has figured out right now that the others – haven't really you know they haven't just figured they haven't quite gotten right. it right yet so it, yep. it's all it's all and everything changes it's all evolution uh, it was mm -hmm. a short and condensed season last year so maybe there was a little bit less uh, development that was able to take place but i think we're going to see a gap close eventually with all these manufacturers and i would hope to see more i, I would love to see more um, satellite mv teams i'd love to see more satellite Bosco score teams you know, come up uh, with multiple chassis that are available and that are out there um, yeah, just to just absolutely. to get some more competition in, you know, sure. and to see different different names. Now we talk about the even KTM. You know, the KTM pulled out of the Moto Two development as far as the chassis goes, and went to Ka went to Calix, and you know are doing well with it. Mm -hmm. So you know we can see those see those themes, and you know it's kind of the the same thing as the gas gas team with KTM, but you know rebranded bikes, 
it, it you know I don't want to say it is what it is but um, I would love to definitely see more manufacturers be more oh, competitive we all would I think I think anytime the more the more manufacturers the better the racing I think and that's always true but let's talk you mentioned Joe Roberts so let's talk about these Americans Joe Roberts uh, finished sixth which I think for him was a little disappointing but I don't think it was a disaster um, I think again there are nights when you just don't have it or someone else really really has it and like I said before Sam nobody was going to catch him on Sunday that wasn't going to happen he was just too fast uh, and, and Joe I think did a nice job of not overriding the bike and you know he, he was almost seven seconds behind but at the same time you know new team let's get used to it and I think the team would say if you would told them hey we're going to get a top 10 in the first race and then improve from there they would have taken that um, because it's important to, to finish races number one and number two to make progress during the year and develop the bike for the rider and for the rider to improve. So I think Joe did that. Um, your, your thoughts on Joe's riding this Sunday? I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, I think that Joe probably had a more a personal higher expectation of himself for the results of the race. But, uh, you know, to keep it in perspective that, you know, like you said, sometimes you don't have it or, or it's not that you don't have it, but somebody else is just really on it. You know, someone nailed that setup. Someone did something else in, in setup uh, testing or that they – just made a right decision at, at you know at game time and it's just it, it's the way the chips fall in racing sometimes mm -hmm. um but but i think that you're right you know it's a long season joe settled in he took a top 10 took the points and you know next week we've got qatar again he likes qatar he has an entire race to look back at the data to see what happened and he can go back and fix it and they can they can go back to the drawing board if they need to and really improve on it one thing that I do they were, know they were working on this weekend was it was mentioned multiple times was they're really focusing on the race setup. They weren't so much worried about the fast laps. And, and I think we saw that last year a bit with Joe. You know, Joe set the lap record at Qatar mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. you know, qualified on pole and, and then faded back to, uh, I think, a fourth or fifth place, uh, possibly, I believe, was, was last year's finish somewhere around there. I think it was fourth. Well, he's just off the yep. podium, I think. So, yep. Yep. Um, you know. I think that that was a bit disappointing for him, but at the same time, I think that looking at the field and how far the rest of the field has come and stepped forward, I don't think it needs to be a loss. He's with a new team, you know. It's it's everything's all new again. He's he's on an Abastianini's bike from last year, so mm -hmm. there's some adjustments there. He's working with a new team. Um, it's definitely there's going to be some changes and some some bumps in the road but a solid top 10 after your first race out of the gate he can't be upset with that and he's just got to run and, and keep continue the climb from here absolutely I, so i i was i was not I, of course i wanted joe or american period on the podium but i was really happy that he rode the way he did he didn't look like he was really struggling at the end of the race it looked like he was able to hold a consistent pace we just need to up that pace a little bit and uh you know, and I think it's worked out. But I think the bigger, maybe even the bigger story was Cameron Bobier. So Cameron starts in 22nd, his uh, on an unfamiliar track and still a pretty unfamiliar bike. He, I mean, he's done a few, few laps on it, but it's nothing like the number of laps he was able to do on his former uh, championship bike, the Yamaha R1. So he's learning the bike, he's learning the track, and he starts in 22nd and he gets up to 11th, which I thought really showed that. You know, Cameron's a racer. 
and he's not afraid to get in there. And he they had some bad he had some battles. It wasn't just people falling. You know, he really he had he moved up through the through the order and he did some great maneuvers in there. I was really impressed, and uh, I can't help but kind of be excited to see two Americans on the podium at some point this year. That might be a bridge too far, but I don't care. That's what I want. No, I, I completely agree. And and I I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here and I might be a little bit ambitious, but I will say um, that I completely I, I agree. I think that we might see uh, you know two Americans possibly touch the podium this year in Moto two. Um, Cameron Bobier, you hit the nail on the head. You know, not a whole lot of test time on a on a, the Daytona seven six five engine. Not a lot of test time. Not a lot of familiarity with the Calix chassis. Not a lot of familiar t- familiarity with Qatar. And he's jumping in at the world stage again with you know folks that um, have been in this series for you know possibly a season or two. Um, and he's got his elbows out in the very first race and his mindset with that race going into the race, they spoke with him on the grid and he was just, Hey, I'm going to run a race and see what happens and, and do my best. Mm-hmm. And then he ends up in 11th place. And exactly like you said, it wasn't 11th place because folks were just fading or falling or, or having mm-hmm. random crashes. It was elbows out, you know, making moves. And, and I love the fact that when the when the camera finally cut to Cameron Bobier, I think it was in turn six or it was turn six or turn nine. It was one of the slower left handed. Um, he had the bike completely sideways, coming in, backing the bike in, and made his pass and and made it stick. Got out of the corner and it looked fantastic. And we really don't see a lot of that. I don't think in Moto Two really seeing the bike backing around. Sometimes we'll see Remy Gardner getting the bike loose and. But uh, Sam Lowe's will do it occasionally. He used to do it a lot, actually, but he doesn't do it so much anymore. But it was that was just so exciting, you know, to see Cameron Bobier stuffing it up in the inside, you know, and, and oh, saying, yeah. "Here, here we are." You know, we're here to race, and and I think it's it's great for the sport. I think it's great for uh, for us in the country, you know, and it's great for everyone else in the world to know, hey, we want to come race with you guys. You mm-hmm. know, give us that opportunity in Europe. We want to come over. We want to turn some laps, and we want to be competitive. Well, you so. Know I agree, and I think, but I I don't think people realize, and maybe even Cameron doesn't realize how important it is for him to do well for the Americans, um, because he's coming from Moto America as a five-time Moto America champion. Now this guy's a champion, and you saw it. The writing showed you that he's a champion. He is not used to being way back there anymore, and he didn't he didn't accept it. And he moved eleven spaces in a race is a great race. That's a great race, and uh, to your point. He, he was backing it in. He was going after it and being aggressive for a guy that was on his first Moto2 race, even though he's been at the superbike level for a while. You know, I'm impressed. And I, and I think that means that, to me, it shows that this means a lot to him. So let's go get it. And, and I'm, in, I'm just excited to see it. I, I, I just love it. On the, on the flip side of that coin, should Thomas Luthi just retire? I mean, this is a dude that used to run at the front of these races for years. And now, and last year and this year, I I honestly didn't know if he was going to get a ride. And he's on some, let's see, Pertamina Mandalika SAG team. I don't know what any of that means, but I can tell you that he was down in, uh, what was it, 15th? I mean... 
what are your thoughts? I mean, I feel like Thomas Luthi is falling off the cliff that Tom Brady was supposed to fall off two years ago. <laughs> That's what I feel like. Like I don't, I don't know what's happening. You know, I mean, we can speculate all day long. Um, at the end of the day, these guys are on the world stage and they're fantastic. But you know, what you're saying has a lot of validity to it. I think um, we're not seeing the results that we once saw out of a Tom Luthi. Uh, you know, we saw Tom Luthi go to uh, MotoGP. The, the success wasn't there. Stepped back into, I think he was injured, I think, and then stepped back into uh, Moto2. Um, so I, I definitely think that uh, some future decisions should be in, t in the forefront of Tom Luthi's mind right now and kind of looking to see what are my options moving forward uh, at the end of this season. You know, does he bring a lot of sponsorship money? Does he bring a lot of attention from uh, from the home country? Does he bring a lot? What does he bring to the table and offer mm -hmm. Moto Two? But at the same time, is he willing to compete at the back of the pack for whatever small you know marginal gains might be there for him? Sure. Um, and, I th and obviously, that's a tough decision. You know, I mean, and, and us as track day riders and not really understanding that once you've reached the pinnacle of racing. That, that everyone wants to be in, what it's like to to want to hold on and want to stay there and, and really want to compete. And and it's that racer's heart and that right. racer's mindset, but at the same time, you still have to have the right judgment about you to say, okay, is is my time, is it time for me to entertain other options? And I'm not saying mm -hmm. completely retire, hang it up, I'm, you know, possibly look into a world superbike I might bid, be saying that. You know? No, I might be saying that. Well, I that's fine. That, I'm trying to get I'm trying to give him a more, some more credit and at least to prolong that career for another year or two, but um yeah, no, I I think that Moto2 um yes, I think the sun may be setting on Tom Luthi in the uh, MotoGP paddock and Moto2 paddock. Well, and you know, I think I think Tom's been a great rider for a long time. Um you know, he he was at the sharp end of this class for a lot of years, and I don't mean to take anything away from his accomplishments at all. It just it just seems like, you know, like the end of la last year and then now this year. But let's say this is the first race. Let's give it a few races and see if he can – if he starts getting into the top ten, I, I, you know, I'll stand corrected. I'll admit it. Um, but, you know, that wasn't very often last year. But I do think we need to send a search party out for Lorenzo Baldessari. I do not know where that guy has gone uh, or if, you know, someone stole him, kidnapped him and put a clone in place. I, I don't know. Like, that guy has just disappeared. And he's, you know, he was a podium finisher the last three years at Qatar. And this time, he was, when he crashed, it, he did crash, but he was so far back, it, it was like he was pedaling. I mean, yeah, I don't. I don't know what is going on. And I don't know if it's something. To, if there's a a combination with that MV chassis that he's he's not jiving with uh, riding mm -hmm. style. I don't know. I, I don't know. You know, it's hard to put your finger on it. But like you said, I mean, the guy used to be. We're used to seeing that bike at the front of the track. We're used to, or the front of the pack. We're used to seeing that bike fighting for victories and podiums mm -hmm. and top tens mm -hmm. consistently. Even on an off day, he's still he was still pushing for a top ten. Um, mm -hmm. So you know, it, it, it's. It is a big, big surprise to see, um, and and I guess I'll go back now. Now this this might be superficial and it might be a bit catty, but a lot is different for um, Lorenzo Baldessari this year. Uh, he you know he's on a new he's on a new bike, he's on the MV chassis. Mm -hmm. Beyond that, he's got all new gear sponsorships. I didn't know if you caught that as well, but he's I no did. longer he's no longer wearing Dionese and he's no longer wearing AGV helmets. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was funny, you know, my wife, she was picking on me. She was like, how do you remember people's gear so much? Because I'm pointing out people that are changing helmet manufacturers and mm-hmm. and suit manufacturers and boots and stuff. And uh, it, But it's just it's something that we get accustomed to seeing. And, and that was one big thing that I did pick out with, with yeah. Lorenzo Baldessari was there's a lot that's new for this guy this year. So what what's going through his head? You know, I don't know. Is, I think, yeah. How's he adjusting I, to all this, you know? Right. You don't lose the ability to ride a motorcycle overnight, especially when you're still doing it. There's, there, there's probably something, you know, that we don't know about, and that's perfectly fine because people have lives outside of the tracks, right? And, and so – there's a lot going on for him. I wish him nothing but the best. Uh, I just, I just, I, I don't know what to think when I see him nowhere during the race, and they're like, "Oh, he crashed." I'm like, "Oh, is he even in the race?" I, I didn't know that. You know, I. It's just really interesting. And I, the last thing I want to talk about is Marcos Ramirez. He's on the American Racing team, and this dude keeps crashing. And I want an American in his spot immediately. So I'm just saying it. So who do we got? Let's put somebody in his spot. I mean, this guy. I can't do it. I, I've given him a year. He's not. He's not doing it for me. He's not carrying the American flag. He is from Spain. I know that, but I, I really want him to do better for the American flag. Absolutely, I completely agree. You know, he had some. He had some strong finishes last year, which was surprising. It, he it did for his rookie year. He did well. I thought. I, mm-hmm. I want to say he did well. He did better than Joe Roger. Or excuse me. I'm sorry, Joe Roberts in a few races. Right. So he did know, better than Joe Rogers too. Joe Rogers is <laughs> awful. He's awful. Uh, that fella, he needs out of there. Um, no, I completely agree. Uh, we, I would love to see a third American in the on the grid with those guys in that team, especially in that team. It, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say that I was upset that Joe Roberts left the American Racing team, um, mm-hmm. but I was upset that Joe Roberts <laughs> left the American <laughs> Racing team. It, you know, I mean. I well, mean, we're, that's in bre- that, that's ingrained in us, right? I mean, we're, right, we're hot-blooded, no. passionate Americans. Right, so right, you know, right. we may not be quite as passionate outwardly as the Italians or, or the or the Spaniards, mm-hmm. but but we've got that grit and determination, and, and you know that 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 red-blooded American spirit that we want to see our guys and our teams. You know, so, yeah. So I I think that that move. I don't care what anybody says. I think that move came about. And you notice he left after that tire situation on the grid where he had to start from pit lane because they messed up the tire. They couldn't get the tire on right. And, you know, that messed up his whole race. He was qualified really well. And Mm -hmm. I think that was the end for him. Like, I think his frustration boiled over. I'm sure some other things were chewing at him before that. But um, I think that had a lot to do with it because – you know, Joe's not a very demonstrative guy, but he was very upset when that was happening. And I can't blame him. As a mechanic, putting a tire on that motorcycle is your job, and you should be able to do it every time. And they just messed up. And it's not that people don't make mistakes, but that's that's a mistake you can't make. Um, and a guy, when he had a chance to do something really special, um, you know, that day, and then he no longer had that chance, and that's... That's tough. That's really tough. So, yeah. you know, that's that's my take on Moto2 this week. Do you have anything else to add? I don't think so. I think we just want to see – I want to see another strong showing this coming week. So I'm, I'm definitely hopeful. I want to see another camera, another strong Cameron Bovier charge this week. I'd like to see a yeah. little better qualifying. I think he understands mm-hmm. the tire a little better now, understands the track a bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's see some more red and white and blue towards the front. But uh, other than that, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to talk about the big boys. <laughs> 